Hello everyone and welcome to My Sister Made Me View It. Oh, how excited! Whoa, that's a loud chair. How exciting! We have made it through our introduction episodes and now it is time. It is time to get in to the story. Uh, this week's episode is covering the prelude, the prologue, and chapter one of Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings. This will be Emily's very first time through the book, and it will be my ninth, tenth? Uh, it's been a couple times. I'm very excited. And because of this overexcitedness, listen, one small retraction. I say Yezrian incorrectly near the beginning of this podcast. Listen, I catch myself. I catch myself calling him Jezrian, and I fix it later on. Uh, But other than that, I am very proud of how this episode turned out. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. You can catch us online at SisMadeMeViewIt on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. And on our website, SisMadeMeViewIt.com, you can find some, mm, let's say, behind-the-scenes pictures where Emily and I both attempt to see if we can hold the book, The Way of Kings, in our jaws. Uh-huh. One of us is very successful. Spoilers, it's me. Just the paperback, though. But you know what? If I had access to the hardcover copy, I would try as well. I'm always up for a chomp challenge. Anyway, please enjoy this episode, and thank you so much for listening to My Sister Made Me View It. Hello, and welcome to My Sister Made Me View It. My name is Megan, and I should be drawing storyboards. My name is Emily, and I should be working on my book. But we're here. Yes, we are, because today, today is the first proper Way of Kings episode. Yes, and guess what else we're procrastinating today? Nothing. Looking at election results. No! <laughs> I'm not procrastinating. I've been looking at them constantly all day. So uh, today is November 5th. We still don't know who the official president of the United States is. It's not going to be final for like five more days, but Biden, Biden's closing in. Emily, how much of The Way of Kings did we read? We read the first three. No, we read the prologue to the entire series, the prelude to the entire series, <laughs> There's so many things to remember. We read the prelude to the entire series, which is the ten books. Six of them which haven't been written yet. So we read the prelude to that. We read the prologue to Way of Kings, this book, this brick of a book. Okay, you guys can't see this, but I'm going to pretend it's a hamburger. And and if I were trying to take a bite out of a hamburger, I would only be getting the meat and the lettuce and tomato and like i it's just it's too big i can't take a bite out of it can't take a bite out of it i would like to say that although you can't see this i can take a full bite out of the book i can hold it in my mouth and shake it back and forth like a dog she like unhinges her jaw it's crazy but anyways <laughs> if we if... ever if we ever stop procrastinating putting the twitter account together <laughs> we'll post photo we'll evidence we'll post photo evidence um, so we read the first 44 pages. Emily, 
Care to summarize for us? Summarize. So the prelude, there's been a huge battle. We have a point of view character, which now I cannot remember the name of. This is not a good start, this Emily. Not a good start. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. We are going to talk all things through in order. First off, the map. Emily, where does the prologue take place? It takes place in... So so you don't know where the prelude takes place. You okay. didn't have a clue for that. But where does the prologue take place? In Alethar. Alethkar, yes. And where does the first chapter take place? It takes place in Alethkar. Yeah! Oh, I thought that was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. Okay, I'm also going to confess something, you guys. This is the cardinal sin I know of brick fantasies. I don't care about the maps. I never look at them. But I'm going to this time. I'm going to be all in. I'm all in. I will I will dutifully make us keep checking mm-hmm. the maps. So, yeah. Let's talk about the prelude. The prelude. Didn't you want to talk about... I did. Because a prelude... Mm. Musically, the prelude gives you an indication of the themes and story of the music piece you're going to listen to. <laughs> and... What, Emily, do you gather as some of the themes of the Stormlight Archives? Uh, Rebirth, revenge, futility, hope. I like those. Thank you. I'm like assigning them to certain characters. (laughs) All right. So we're going to, we're just going to talk through what we read and then just discuss things as we, as we get there. So Wait, first of all, you also made me read the acknowledgments. I did make you read the acknowledgments. It's very sweet. It's There's a couple sweet. things I want to talk about, which th- I thought were really cool. He, like, thanks all the people that helped make this book, his wife especially. Um, but the And he's just very sweet about it. The part that I love the best, he talks about Michael Whalen. Michael Whalen is an artist, and Brandon said Michael Whalen's cover art he did for the books was what drew him to reading fantasy and now all these years later they got Michael Whalen to do the cover of these books and I thought that was a really nice you know full mm-hmm. circle thing. Brennan has the full final paintings all nicely framed for his book cover so he has these Michael Whalen originals based on his book. That's nice. Um, I have a note here Meg says she'll tell me what Brando Sando's dream was. So this book is dedicated, so before the acknowledgments, this book is dedicated to his wife, Emily, who is too patient, too kindly, and too wonderful for words, but I try anyway. That was, those were Brandon's words, not mine. Although I feel the same about my sister, Emily. Mm, um, he started dating Emily, and he had this dream of wanting to propose to someone in the dedication of a book. And he planned to propose to her in the dedication of Warbreaker. But, you know, it, it's it's a very long process to print a book. But he talks about how he had this specific dream of walking into a bookstore and handing her the copy of his book on opening day. And she'd open it and see it. But uh, so while logistically that didn't come to pass, he did propose to her during Warbreaker. And the dedication of that one is for Emily, who said yes. That's really sweet. Yes. Really sweet. All right. Here we go. Let's dive in. So we start with a fellow named... I don't know. Didn't write it in your notes. I didn't write it in my notes. Oh, I did! Calic. Calac. 
I think it's Kalak. Kalak. We have Kalak, and he's overseeing a battlefield that is just strewn with tons and tons of dead bodies, humanoid and otherwise. He's just defeated something called a Thunderclast. And as Kalak um, examines the battlefield and talks to us about the lay of the land and what's happening, we start to learn more about who he is and what he's doing here. I have Kalak immortal question mark, died before question mark. Yeah. Apparently many, many times. And what happens when he dies? He goes to hell. A place hell-ish. Very (laughs) hell-ish. Very (laughs) hell-ish. With uh, knives and hooks and burning of flesh. And it sounds like there's a group of them that do this and it's the cycle over and over and over again. And he runs into his friend. I didn't write that name down. Because I just called him Tony Stark the whole time because of the beard. It talks about the beard and short black beard was neatly trimmed. Tony Stark. Yep. So <laughs> Tony Jezrian Stark <laughs> meets Kalak up on the battlefield, and Jezrian is surrounded by swords that are stabbed into the ground. And <clears throat> how many swords are there? Nine. Eight. Eight. <laughs> There's ten of them, though. There's ten in total. Kalak has his sword. Oh, okay. And one miss- Let's get pedantic about it. There are in the vicinity. If you have ten redacted, and one of them has already died, and the other one has his sword, <laughs> how many swords are stabbed into the battlefield? <laughs> Sorry. So uh, they 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 talk about how. This is a cycle that they go through again and again and again. Every time they die, they mention something called the Oath Pact. What do you think the Oath Pact is? My note says interesting, important. Okay, it is both of those (laughs) things. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but um, they talk about how initially the Oath Pact was optional. It was something they chose to do. And now all of these desolations later, they stop. I mean, I would stop. I would not I want would to be not tortured to for that. thousands of years in between each one. They plant the ninth sword, but there's one missing. There's one missing. Because his name is Town. His name is Town. He died. He died. And they have decided not to renew the cycle, so he's stuck in hell, a.k.a. really quick, season five supernatural spoilers. Skip ahead a little bit. He's basically Adam Winchester. So Tony Stark, an unknown face, leave Adam Winchester behind. <laughs> in hell. In hell. And it's interesting because they talk about, like, what should we do? And they're like, should we lie to them about winning? That they, like, something something will lie to them about winning. And I just kind of went, ooh. Oh, you were interested in the blood on the battlefield. Yes, they have different colors. It said they had red, orange, violet. It's blood orange. It's blood orange. It's so pretentious. So pretentious. Right. Yes. Tony Stark and Kellak. Kellak. However you say it. Go their separate ways. They're like, we can't see each other. None of the, the nine that are still alive can ever see each other again. They go in opposite directions. It's basically the breaking of the fellowship. And that is the end of the prologue. Prelude. Prelude. <laughs> Sorry. And then... The prologue to the book is called To Kill. To Kill. And it starts out with not Cezanne. His name is Seth. Spell it. S-Z-E-H. Close. 
S Z E T H. Opening line of the of the prologue is Seth Sunson Valano, truthless of Shinovar, wore white on the day he was to kill a king. Dun dun dun. So this was actually the first part of the book I had heard. I loved it. I've I it does such a good job laying out the magic system of getting you curious about the world and emotionally invested in this strange assassin. <laughs> um so we'll give you the quick rundown of this one as well. He is at a basically a party. Everyone is dancing and reveling and drinking. Um, Some people are drinking a little too much. A little too the much. The king's brother, I think, is just dropped dead drunk. <laughs> king's not there, though. His son is. His son's presiding at the high table. Prince Elokar is talking to a couple other people. Mm-hmm. But the king is already retired for the night. Yep. And so um, we talked about this a little bit. This book does not, that's what I'm looking for, does not rely on the Eurocentric um, fantasy world. This is very original. Original. Um, so it talks just it just throws some things out there where Seth is very he he sees everyone around him as very blasphemous because they're walking on stone. And apparently, that's a big that's a big deal that they have, they've done this thing and and it doesn't say why exactly but so that that's one thing that I I really liked about that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh it's it Seth is just at the party until he gets a signal from his masters, the Parshendi. Uh so he works for the Parshendi who are a party to this peace treaty. I'm like talk about the Parshendi. What did you think about them so far? Um it's very interesting because it says they did not call them they did okay. They did not call themselves Parshendi. This was the Alethi name for them. It meant roughly Parshmen who can think. Neither side seemed to see that as an insult. Do you know what a Parshman is? Nope. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> um but the Parshendi have multicolored skins. They have red and black uh ribboned skin, like marbled almost. Uh, and they have brought musicians. They have brought... Drummers. Drummers. And Seth waits to start the assassination until a particular signal from the drummers. As he walks down the hallway, it says, At the edge of the room, he passed rows of unwavering azure lights that bulged out where wall met floor. They held sapphires and fused with stormlight. Profane. How could the men of these lands use something so sacred for mere illumination? Emily, what's Stormlight? It is, I don't, it's a thing that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's in the book. It's the book. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he heads his way out, but he talks about, um, as, he's, as he's heading out of the room, he talks about what the Alethi are dressed like. So uh, the Alethi are very tall and they're very tall and tan. I keep jumping around to different things. No, no, that's what happens right next. Oh, okay. Sorry, what did you want to talk about next? I don't know. I thought we were going to keep talking about the stormlight. Oh, we could keep talking about the stormlight. Well, we're gonna we're going to talk more about the stormlight a little later. Okay. Because Seth is going to start using it. Ah. But we learn a little bit more about what the Alethi generally look like, and we get a glimpse into their fashion. Emily, what do the Alethi men wear? So they wear dark silk coats, 
says it buttons down the side of the chest and they're elaborately embroidered in silver or gold. Each one looked a general on the field. So they're kind of very, you know, just very well, well dressed. And the women. I'm imagining something like really structured with lots of seams and, and clean lines. Yeah. Yeah. So they look, they look very, they look good. They look good. (laughs) Some of them look better than, no, I I have my favorites. (laughs) We'll meet them later. So this is what I remember from the last time I read this, is that the women have, the left sleeve of each dress is longer. It covers their left hand. They also wear silk dresses that are bright colors. So they have very brightly colored dresses with the women and the men are dressed you know, still smart, but somber. Yeah. So it's kind of like just this, I say clashing. It's not clashing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. I wouldn't say somber, but like the men are in navies and maroons mm-hmm. and like dark, maybe forest greens. And then the women are in more like what the women wear in the court jester. That's kind of, it's like the colors and sort of the tightness of the cut, I imagine. Although it does go all the way up to the neck. Perfect. Um, it says uh, the ladies, they have pure black hair and uh, there's gems and gold ribbons and ornaments and there's some braids or, you know, just flowing and speckles, 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 speckles. Oh, yeah. They've got stormlight gems, stormlight oh, right. lit gems in their hair. And Seth is like, <laughs> I don't approve of this. <laughs> so he's a little judgy, I feel. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sure there's a reason for this. I don't think my father, son Volano, would be too pleased to hear about this. <laughs> So, okay, I, here's what I know about the Stormlight Archives. There is Hodath. There is a character that Emily believes is called Hodath. It's H-something. It is H-something okay. most of the time. She won't tell me what it is. I just had to guess like an here's, idiot. Here's what I know. Hodath. No. <laughs> so he shows up in all of Brandon's books. and so Cosmere books. Cosmere books. Thank you. And... I'm on the lookout for him. I want to find him in this book. And Seth runs into a man with long gray and black beard slumped in the doorway, smiling foolishly. And he's kind of speaking gibberish. He's very, very drunk. So I think that might be him disguised or just enjoying himself. And listeners, although I'm going to say listeners, but I'm probably going to take a poll on my own Twitter because we're going to record several of these episodes before they release them. But the question I'm going to put is, should I tell Emily what this character's normal description is so she can be on the lookout for him? Oh, yes, please. Everyone vote yes. In in the future, when you don't understand what this Twitter question is. Sending vibes. There we go. Uh, He passes by some statues. How many statues are there? I, I didn't write this good of notes. Uh, he counted off each one, realized there were only nine here. One was conspicuously missing. <gasps> <laughs> there we have it. Our first live podcast realization. <laughs> so one's missing of the ancient Vorin. Oh, and I wrote, I wrote Vorin. No, okay. I wrote it in my notes. Ten Vorin, ten from Prelude. But he didn't write anything about nine. <laughs> okay, he mentions which statue is missing. Um, and the statue is missing is not Tom. The oh. missing statue is Shalash. And he's he thinks it's kind of weird because King Gavilar is a devout Vorin. 
Um, here, um, while, while we've got the book cracked open, read the names that he does, that he does list oh, off. Oh, jeez. Jezereze? Uh, in, oh yeah. In these books, uh, Alethi pronounced the J with a Y. Oh. Jezereze. <laughs> she, stop it. <laughs> Kelek Telenilat. He counted off each one. That's all there are. So... <laughs> Who do we talk to in the pro- in the prelude? Kalik. And then this one is Kalek. Okay. In the thousands and thousands of years, there have been some tweaks and misspellings. But, okay. Minor gonna, alterations. Yep. I'm going to ask you kind of a, not a toughie, but what do you notice in about the modern spelling of these names? There's a lot of E's. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep going from there. What else do you want me to say? Your guess. I don't like your guess. Well, guess better. It's something that they'll they'll talk about later. I just I just want to see if it's something you picked up on these weird fantasy names Definitely already from the beginning. Not. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but now I do. <laughs> You're making me look. <laughs> oh, Emmy. You make me look so dumb. No. I'm a college graduate. You are. <laughs> and you're writing a book. And you're very impressed. <laughs> Listen. I, I have, I recognize Sorry, a lot. I, I recognize I have a lot of unfair power in this podcast because I know all the bits and bobs and wobs and rafos. <laughs> you don't. I don't. All right, so he passes by nine statues, one is missing, and he's like, oh, okay, why is it removed? So, why indeed? Why indeed? He's he's walking through the hallways, and again, he's very, he doesn't like it because now he's walking on the stone, which is apparently also very blasphemous, which I thought was cool. And I want to read the next part because I really, really like it. It talks about he's wearing white, and it goes into great detail about the white outfit that he's wearing. Uh, white to be bold. White to not blend into the night. White to give warning. For if you were going to assassinate a man, he was entitled to see you coming. Which I just thought was so cool. Uh, he makes it down the hallway and meets these two soldiers. And so Seth hasn't said anything so far. And the, and the soldiers are barking questions at him. And, you know, they're like, you're not supposed to be here. Turn around. Go back to the feast. And then Seth walks up to one of the stormlight lamps. And pulls the stormlight into his body. How? <laughs> he, he breathes it in. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be tested on this. You're going to read the next chapter so hard. <laughs> Anyway, so Seth has this ability that hasn't been seen for millennia. He can inhale stormlight and then use the energy it gives him to perform different kinds of feats that are are known as lashings. And he uses both this power and a mythical weapon known as a... Shard blade. And he just tears through like hallway after hallway of guards. Do you remember what the three different kinds of lashing are? So... I know I'm going to ex- I'm going to compare this a lot to Mistborn because it's kind of the only other Brandon Sanderson book I've really read. But he can change the direction of gravity or make it seem like he can change the direction of gravity. So at one point, the two guards are standing at the end of the hallway 
and Seth is down at the bottom and he he does he lashes something and he drops like he's dropping down a shaft down the hallway to land in between the guards. Yeah. So I thought that was also So like cool. he can he can change how gravity affects him or he can tag someone and change how gravity affects them. So like he tags well, I say tag. He uh puts a bit of stormlight into one of the guards and just throws him up on the ceiling. And this is listen, the whole sequence is cool, but this is like my favorite kill is he puts a guard up on the ceiling and then just holds his spear underneath him and waits for the stormlight to run out the guard falls that's the thing about stormlight is he's continuously like burning it once he Mm -hmm. once he breathes it in so like he needs to get more and it's everywhere because because the people just decorate with it and so he's just pulling it into himself left and right Mm -hmm. and he uses lashing with the stormlight so that was we talked about the first kind of lashing but then he pulls out his weapon yes and it's a storm blade shard shard sword so close. <laughs> I, you guys can't see it. I was like nodding and shaking my head with with each syllable there. It's, it's a shard blade. Shard blades. <laughs> okay. Well, this sword doesn't cut flesh. It severs the soul from the body. So he swings it. Yeah. Is that what it is? He swings it through the guy's neck, basically. So the head stays attached to the body. There's no cut. There's no blood. There's no cut. There's no blood. The eyes burn out Hmm. of this poor dude. (gasps) Of the victim, not not Seth. Yeah. And so this shard blade, how long does it take to summon? Nine. Ten heartbeats. Ten heartbeats. Ten heartbeats. Ten is a magical number in this series. It drops into his hand. And it's cold, like there's condensation and there's like water mist on it. But it cuts stone. It cuts dead things and souls. And well, soul. sorry, I say dead, I mean inanimate. But like, I don't know if he explains this, but once a body is dead, the shard blade will cut it. Okay. But it doesn't meet any resistance through stone walls, through wood furniture, through, yeah. So like, yeah, I, I have really great visuals of the sequence in my head. I love it so much because after, so he'll... He fights the initial two guards, and he is very clearly causing a commotion because he will always leave at least one person alive at the end to, like, keep screaming. Uh, so, like, when he pins the guy up on the ceiling, the guy screams, shard bearer, there's a shard bearer in the king's hall. And then he could have kept running further in and, like, sneaking in, but he waits for more guards to see him and cause a commotion. Mm. He is killing as many people as he can to get to the king. Interesting. On the night of the peace treaty. I mean, so rude. where does he get off? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I like doing that. All right. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, okay. So Seth hasn't spoken the whole time. He's he's a murder, oh, wait, oh, murder bot. He says two words when the guard's like, I'm are... getting there. Oh, sorry. Okay. We'd already passed those guards. Oh, Sorry. And the, the guards are screaming at him, and they're like, what are you, when he breathes in the stormlight? And Seth says, he says, what am I? Seth whispered, a bit of light leaking from his lips as he looked past the man down the long hallway. I'm sorry. <laughs> so he's he's 
pulled in the sword. It also says um, to kill. It was the greatest of sins. And yet here he is. He's walking on stone. He's killing, but he's truthless. He does as his masters order him is a tool responsible for murder in the hands wielded by the hands of someone else, basically. Yeah. So Seth doesn't he's not showing any outward remorse for these murders. And I'm not going so far to say as he's like, it had nothing to do with me. But he clearly doesn't, at this point, see these deaths as being on his conscience. 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 So all the guards are coming. There's a big commotion. A clump of guards are very clearly escorting someone down the hallway, trying to keep them safe. And Seth realizes it's got to be the king. He runs after them. And the new challenger approaches. It's a guy all decked out in shard armor. Shard plate. Shard plate. And Seth puts things together and realizes the person that was being escorted out wasn't the king because the guy looks back at the guy in armor and Seth puts it together that he's worried about this dude. And he puts it together that the king is the one in all this armor. Mm -hmm. There is an epic fight. Yeah. And and it takes like a first full bout with with Seth to defeat the the person in shard plate who also has a shard blade. Um, and we get to learn a little more about how the magic system works. So uh, Brandon loves his magic systems. And this is a really great way to very quickly introduce a bunch of rules and kind of give you a grounding as to how the system works, because Spoilers, we're not going to see this much magic for a while. Okay, good to know. Um, but I think he kind of gives you the the basics well enough. So, like, Seth performed the second kind of lashing, which is where he can basically make an object a type of magnet, where he does this to a door frame, where anything that's thrown at him, spears, get sucked into the door frame instead. Mm-hmm. Or something else we learn is that shard plate can block a shard blade, but you can break shard plate with just a couple swings, which... Mm-hmm. Right now, from what we know, it doesn't seem great that, like, this armor can stop a shard blade, but it can be broken so easily. Brittle. It, like, he hits it once and there's cracks all over it. I wonder if that's an issue <laughs> that should be addressed later. But, yeah, he figures out it's the king and they have this great fight. And they're fairly evenly matched. And the only way he he can, I guess, kill the king is he pulls down the whole balcony and the king falls to his death, and Seth goes to him afterwards. Yeah, he has to lash the balcony down five times. So, like, he increases the the pull of gravity on the balcony times five. Now, I wonder if that's five factorial or if that's one plus one plus one plus one plus one. Yeah. I'm sure there's research done on this. I'll see if there's, like, a word of Brandon or a, a whatever. At, at this point, Seth's been punched in the face, and, like, his jaw's completely broken off. We find out Stormlight also heals. Yeah, it pulls it in and he can heal up. He goes to the king and the king's like, I expected this. The king's dying. He's oh, yeah. not just having a, a chat. The king is very clearly dying. He is stabbed. And the king's like, well, you can tell the person who sent you. He's too late. And he's like, well, he didn't send me. He's I like, had a car. Was it this person? Was Sadius? it this person? Was it this person? Seth is like, my masters are the Parshendi. And the king's like, that doesn't make any sense. But he gives something to Seth and says, you need to give this to my brother. They can't get it. Tell my brother he must find the most important words a man can say. And he dies. He, so he gives Seth this thing. What is it? It's a crystal sphere tied to a chain. 
crystalline sphere tied to a chain. And he's dead. And Seth just is like, well, and words are important. So he writes down the king's dying words in the king's blood so that when people find him, they will know his last words. I want to go back to that sphere a little bit more because there's one more defining trait to it that's very important. We've seen several glowing spheres and jewels so far that give off light, but the sphere gives off darkness. Oh, darkness. That's right. Uh, Those of you who play Kingdom Hearts know that this is a key differentiation. (laughs) One thing I also found interesting, the King Shardblade falls to the ground. Uh, clatter into the stones now that its master was dead it was worth a fortune kingdoms had fallen as men vied to possess a single shard blade so you get a feeling of how yeah rare this is to have so if seth had died even if he wasn't holding his shard blade at the time it also would have materialized and fallen to the floor it's yeah. not they're not bound together anymore oh keep in mind because this will be important later seth writes out all of the king's last words mm-hmm. In the king's own voice. So it's as if Gavilar wrote it in his own blood, saying, Brother, you must find the most important words a man can say. And that's the end of the prelude. The prologue. The prologue. <laughs> Good night. <clears throat> we're going to the first chapter. The first chapter. So now we're going to be at part one of the book, which is called Above Silence. And the first chapter is called Storm Blessed. And it is five years after the assassination of Gavilar. Mm-hmm. And... There's a fight going on. There's a fight going on. And it's this chapter is from the point of view of Sen. He is a young man, young boy. 15 years old. 15 years old. Um, he's in the He's in this army and he's ready to go into his, own, the, his first battle. And he is just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is it. This is it. Death is coming. This As the chapter it. goes on. No. Oh. Copyright. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, as the chapter goes on, he comes to realize he is in Kaladin's squad. squad, and people in Kaladin's squad don't die. I mean, they can die, but it's rare. It's very rare. And this boy finds out that Kaladin paid a lot of money to get Sen onto his squad. But he, squad! He doesn't know why. And he goes into battle, and he. this is where Brandon explains how a lot of the how the fighting commences kind of sets the stage for where they are. Um, talks about that there is a cast system. I call it a cast system. Might not be it. Light eyes and dark eyes. I don't think that's very fair. You have light eyes. Well, I just... <laughs> it is not fair. People can't help it. So... Um, who are they fighting? They are fighting the Parshendi. No. No, I have that in my notes. You do have that in your notes. Kaladin wants his squad to go to where they're fighting the Parshendi. Oh. On so the... Shard... The Shattered Plane. We find out that Kaladin really hates Light Eyes. Really hates, hates them. There is one... This is my favorite part. I don't know why. So uh, a Light Eyes and Plate Armor comes onto the field. And at mm-hmm. first, Sen is all freaked out because he's like, It's a Shard Bearer! And they're like, That's just normal Plate Armor, man. Yeah, don't worry about it. And the guy's like basically, you know, slow-mo running and, you know, just being very cool. And all of a sudden, Kaladin throws a knife and takes the guy out in his right eye, just like. Let's talk a little bit about Kaladin. Okay. How old is Kaladin? He's 19. He's 19. He's a young he man. is dressed 
he's out of uniform technically. He wears extra pants. Oh, that's right. His spear is a little different. He's got extra holsters on it. Like, he, he's a video game character that has, like, customized his look. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like I said, he's only 19. He's an incredible fighter. He's leading this group of men. And, like, Dalit, who's, who's the other character that Sen really interacts with, Dalit's sort of, like, explaining to Sen how the squad works. Even these older soldiers really respect Kaladin. Just being in this squad, it gives you hope. And hope is all that we have. And we must never relinquish it. Because it's one of the themes that you picked up from the prelude. Yes, I'm very smart. In, no. You went to English school. I went to English school. Um, let's see. So they they do well. Oh, one more thing about Kaladin. Uh, Sen gets his legs sliced open. Oh, yeah. And it would be like death on the battlefield. And Kaladin binds it up and he finds out from Dalit that Kaladin knows a bunch about wounds. He can read glyphs and that the runners who usually just take wounded light eyes off the battle, they're going to come pick Sen up and take him to safety to like the safe tents. Because Kaladin has bribed them. Yeah, so Kaladin is like this really upstanding guy who uses almost all of his money for bribes. It's very interesting. The fight happens. Um, he takes he takes down a light eyes in normal armor, and then the chapter ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, because who comes onto the field? The figure wore an unornamented full helm, and the plate was gilded. He carried a massive sword in one hand, fully as long as a man was tall. It wasn't a simple straight sword. It was curved, and the side that wasn't sharp was ridged, like flowing waves. Etchings covered its length. It was beautiful, like a work of art. Sen had never seen a shard bearer, but he knew immediately what this was. So, a full shard bearer comes onto the field. And what happens next? Sen closes his eyes. We don't know what we happens. We don't know next. what happens. Chapter's over, and that's all Emily got to read this week. So Meg went through and has put a sticky note where each chunk of chapters is, and she took the book from me. And goes, wait, I need to cover the whole next page so you don't accidentally read it. It's important. So I I don't know what happens next. So that's story wise what we cover, but there's one more writing thing we haven't touched about, and it is the strange little. A couple lines in front of each chapter. Oh, yes. So at the beginning of each chapter, it's basically the dying words of someone. And they're all, they're not like typical dying words. Yeah. They're, they're oddly poetical. And here, pick, uh, pick the one in front of Seth's and read it. Okay. The love of men is a frigid thing. A mountain stream only three steps from the ice. We are his. Oh, storm father, we are his. It is but a thousand days, and the Everstorm comes. And that is from a woman uh, 31 seconds before death, as she's giving birth. So she died in childbirth. And those were her dying words. Am I right? Subject was a dark-eyed pregnant woman of middle years. The child did not survive. Oh, the child. But the woman died. They both died. They both died. Okay. See, I can context clues. So what's that all about? I don't know. I bet I have to read to find out. Do you have a guess? Um, dying words are important. I'm going to guess that everyone, uh, they have some sort of access to prophecy as they're about to die. And that's why dying words are important because they, everyone prophesies right before they die. Cool. All right. So we learned a bunch about the magic system. Mm -hmm. We learned a bit about the Alethi. We 
we picked up a couple things about the Parshendi, but I don't think we got as, as much detail about them just because we were in like an Alethi stronghold. And we so we got to see a lot about their fashion and their architecture and, and a bit more about their culture. Um, Seth is not Alethi and he's not Parshendi. He's Shin. Truthless. He, yeah, he's the truthless. He is truthless of Shinovar. <gasps> Do you know where Shinovar is on the map? Let me check the map. It is all the way to the west. It's not the most west, but it's the west coast. There's another island more west, but... And I don't want to talk about it here, but I want the podcast listeners to be rest assured we will talk about how different Seth looks from the Alethi. We're going we're gonna to talk about what the different people from the different lands look like. Don't worry about it. We'll get to it. So I'm also going to apologize because my process is I want to know what happens and so I read to find out the main plot I don't pay attention to a lot of the detail but that was cool because then I gotta be like how many statues are there and you're like there's no <gasps> there's nine <laughs> I like reading books multiple times so I'll read it through super fast find out what happens and then I like to go back and do layers and read it several more times are you excited but I'm not reading this several times I'm only reading it once uh, technically, if you read each assignment twice, like you've been doing, you will read the book twice. Just Ugh. very small order. Um, I'm going to give you the next three chapters and their titles. So uh, for next week's reading assignment, we are going to be reading chapters two, three, and four. Chapter two, Honor is Dead. Chapter three, City of Bells. And chapter four, The Shattered Plains. <gasps> that is where they fight. That's or, where he wants to go. Uh, so three is from Kaladin's point of view. Four is from Shallan's point of view. And five is Kaladin again. So we're going to get two Kaladins and a Shallan. Very cool. So maybe we'll get to see what happened uh, to Sen when the Shardbearer comes. We'll see. So using your context clues, knowing that there's a Shardbearer coming, and Calvin gets to go to the Shattered Plains, what do you think happens next? Because oh, I ultimately know what happens, but I think what happens next is he does a really good job and he gets promoted to the Shattered Plains. That would be nice. He deserves that. Uh, so here's here's a last little puzzler. If they're in Alethkar... Which is all the way to the east. Mm-hmm. And... They're fighting people. Who are they fighting before they go fight the big war with the Parshendi? I don't know. Emily shrugs because we haven't talked about it. But it is something that I think is really fascinating about this book. So uh, that's next week's assignment. Uh, Honor is Dead, City of Bells, and the Shattered Plains. (sighs) You know what this means now we're done recording? What? I have to go back to storyboarding. Oh, I have to go back to writing my book. I believe in you. I believe in you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this, the first full episode of My Sister Made Me View It, covering Megan's first pick, Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings. You can catch us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SisMadeMeViewIt, and you can check out our website, SisMadeMeViewIt.com. 
Special thanks to Michael B. and Cardi for use of his song, A Passing Storm, for our intro and outro, and I'll see you on the internet. Go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes. Can you comment on our website blog? We should see if you can leave comments on our website. That'd be a good thing to have. Oh well. Everyone have a great week. Stay cool. It's hot out there. And do you know what? I believe in you.